All right. Yep, just started it over. We're going to be in Acts chapter 17 tonight because we need to be in Acts chapter 17 tonight. But have any of you had a conversation? This is not the end of the sentence, but you've had a conversation with somebody about like religion or something like that. Or you've asked somebody what their faith is. And now when I do this, because I mean, it's kind of my job. But when I do this, with if I'm sitting down with a student that I've never met before or sitting down with just some random person or whatever, there are some times where we we get into the topic of of your maybe your church background or your religious background and i normally get one of two answers now the answers do vary but usually you get one answer and that one answer is well i'm not really and they use the word religious i'm like okay cool so then talk to, and then i'll steer the conversation in another direction but then you've got other people and sometimes you get this answer oh i'm i'm very religious or i'm really spiritual um i as soon as i hear somebody th- say that all, all i can think of is the song from nacho libre I am, I am, I think I am, I am, I am, a very religious man. Um, anyway, that's what I think of when, when I hear people say I'm a religious person. I'm like, what does that mean? I don't know what I, being a religious person means uh, because it means something different depending on who you're talking to. But here we are in Acts chapter 17, and Paul is having this wonderful conversation. He's, he's going through... Europe and talking with people around Europe, bringing them the information and bringing them the gospel of Jesus. Now, here in chapter chapter 17, verses verse 20 or so, Paul is actually addressing a group of people in Athens, Greece. I want to explain that because if not Georgia, Greece, because otherwise Bobby would have been confused. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. I was never good at geometry either. <laughs> um, but it has its crease. Oh, man. This night is going to be wonderful. But, but he's in this town of Athens. Now, the interesting thing, and we'll talk about this, is that throughout the city of Athens at this time were all of these shrines. Now, if you know your maybe some of your history, especially if you took, like, I think it's like eighth grade and freshman in high school English courses. You, you learn about mythology and all this other stuff. The Egyptians came up with all sorts of different gods of different things. You've got the sun god and the god of war and the god of all these other things. And then the Greeks come along and they're like, here, hold my line and I shall make up more gods. Um, and so the Greeks are like, oh, thank you, Egyptians, for your gods. We will take that. We will double down on the gods, and we want to make sure that every, that way everything, everything is absolutely covered. And that's what's going on right here in this story. Paul is wandering through Athens and talking with people throughout, throughout Athens, Greece. And he's walking along, and he's seeing all of these shrines. And we catch up in chapter 17. Um, starting in verse uh, 22 is where we're going we're gonna to begin. We're going to read a couple verses. Um, so, Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. And then Paul began to sing. I am, I am. Anyway, that's not true. Anyway, for as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. And one of your altars had this inscription on it to the unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. We're going to continue on in, in verse 24 in a minute. But they were so concerned 
about making sure that they had a shrine to every god imaginable, that just be on the safe side, we're going to make this shrine over here as well. We want to let the world know that we are, we are very religious. We are so religious that we're going to make this shrine over here. We don't know which god it is, but it's to an unknown god because we don't want to tick any of them off. Because the last thing you need is a ticked off god. I mean, that's probably true. Um, you, you don't, you don't, you know, probably want to deal with a ticked off god um, because they've dealt with ticked off kings. And in this culture, you got to remember that a lot of time the king or the ruler um, kind of had this um, deity-like personification of, oh well, if there's the ruler, if they're the king, then they're probably they're probably close to God or a god of some sort. And so we need to be careful. And so throughout human history, even up until this point, they had these kings and these rulers and all these people that kind of lost their minds as kings um, because these kings thought they were, they were gods. And so we're going to make sure we have this shrine to an unknown god. A god we don't even know if he exists or not, but we're going to make sure that we have the shrine so we don't tick off any god just to be safe. Now catching up, verse 24, he said, or he is the god who made the world and everything in it. So Paul is explaining this God that you have, this shrine to the unknown God, let me, let me tell you this God that you aren't worshiping yet, but who, this God who is, who is awesome. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. And human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs he himself, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything. And this last line is awesome. And he satisfies every need. He satisfies every need. Now, I, I only have three points for you tonight. Just three things that I, I want I to give to you that we can really look at. Maybe you can walk out and think of these for the rest of the week. Hopefully you do. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. But the first one is this. Having a religion is a discipline of an idea. It is not a relationship with someone living. When we speak of religion, religion is simply a discipline, having discipline about an idea rather than a relationship with someone living. It's very easy for, for us, for human, humans, whether it be our American culture or any other culture, obviously we see this in ancient Greek back 2,000 years ago. It's very easy to confuse all of this, this stuff. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna worship all of these gods, all these shrines. We're going to burn incense. We're going to whatever some dude made up about whatever god, that this god likes it. So this one guy happened to kill a sheep at one point in time to feed his family but then it rained and so that means that if you sacrifice a sheep it must please whatever god that is I mean literally just coming up with stuff that randomly happens so this is how we serve this random god that we don't really know about and Paul is now saying okay this unknown god this god is actually the greatest god you have a religion you have this idea of being a religious person Maybe you have even said in the past, well, I'm a good person. The Bible scoffs at that statement. 
the, the, the bi- not uh, me too. Um, but I, I am, I'm not the Bible, but I'm, I'm, the, I'm that way as, as well oftentimes where I focus on a discipline about an idea rather than having a relationship with Jesus. Think about the relationships you have with the people around you. Like some people in your lives, it's not a friendship. It's a discipline about an idea. Those people we call professors. Um, it's a discipline about this idea. Whatever class it is, you attend because, here's the thing, not because you have to, but because you paid them a crap load of money, uh, but you're going to attend that class to gain the knowledge. There's not really, most of your professors, most of them aren't, you don't have this great friendship with. And some of you are like, in two weeks or in three weeks when this semester is over, I hope to never see that person ever again in my entire life. That is what a religion is. That's what it looks like. I'm going to do the things that this God, your professor, (laughs) isn't this fun? I'm going to do the things that they want me to do. I'm going to complete the assignments that they want me to do so that way they like me or give me an A or at least a C so I can pass and not have to take this class ever again. That's what religion looks like. And that's why you're hanging out with that person. You're not hanging out with them because you enjoy it. You're hanging out with them because you're trying to get something. You're trying to achieve something rather than a relationship with a living human being. Yes, the professor is a living human being, but most of the people that he is quoting or she is quoting are not living anymore. Uh, Most of the things that they know are from people that don't exist on this planet anymore. And so you're learning about all this old dead stuff. Um, that somebody who's long gone has figured out. But a relationship is an idea of actually spending time with people that you like. And maybe there are people in this room or people that you hang out with that when you first met them, you didn't even like them. And now you do. Congratulations. Let's pretend that now you do, okay? Um, At least for the sake of Kyle, for the sake of loving Jesus in this room. But that's the first one. Having a religion is a discipline of an idea, not a relationship with someone living. Number two, this one is crazy to me. Taking it straight from verse 25, God doesn't need you to serve him. God has no need for you to serve him in doing things. He has no need for you to burn incense at his shrine He has no need for you to clean a temple. He doesn't live in a temple, as verse 24 tells us, so he doesn't even live in a temple. But God has no need for you to serve him. He needs you to serve others. God does not require, does not even need you. Paul tells us that in verse 24. He is a God who made the world and everything in it Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve his needs. He's not looking for you to serve him in that way. He is simply looking for you to serve others. He doesn't need you to serve him. Whenever you have a relationship with somebody, if you meet somebody... Let's just pretend for a moment, some of you, somebody, you meet a student next year and you don't know yet, and the student, you find out, you hang out with him or her a bunch, 
and then maybe you go home with them for a break or something like that, and you go to their house and it ends up being on Pennsylvania Avenue. Um, okay, two of you. All right, two of you. It's the White House. Um, okay, um, okay, so it's not. Anyway. Uh, so you're like, I ain't going there. Uh, let's 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 skip that one. Probably shouldn't touch shouldn't touch politics today. Um, but let's just pretend that this person that you meet is loaded. You had no idea, and they are loaded, and they want to continue to hang out with you. And you're like, dude, first off, you've got a great personality. You're fun to hang out with. This is great. This is awesome. And you've, they've got all of these things. When you get back, you're probably going to tell people all this crazy stuff that you did with this person over the break. You're having these conversations with other people that you know. Be like, this dude's awesome. He's kind. He's great. He's a great person to be around. We were able to do all of these things. And so you're telling these people uh, about him. Because that person doesn't need you. As far as even an earthly sense is, he's, he or she has all that they need. But we serve others, and that's how we serve God. We, we show God's love to others. We proclaim his love. We, we tell people, man, these are the amazing things that God has done in my life. These are the amazing things that Jesus said. This is who I was before I knew Jesus, and this is who I am now. God changes you. You cannot. It is impossible to have an experience with Jesus that moves you in a way that you don't change. You can, in fact, meet with God and have an emotional experience and maybe be like, man, that was an amazing time. Let's tie off whatever. It was an amazing time at Chi Alpha. But you turn around and you go back and you go outside these doors, whatever, and you do the exact same things that you always have. We see, I see this. We see this every year with students. Students who may be super faithful in coming to small group, may be faithful in coming to this, our large group gathering, or whatever else, and all of a sudden they just disappear. And then a month or two later, maybe a year goes by, and they're back like, man, I just... <sighs> I just, you know, I haven't been doing the things that God, I, I know God's wanting me to do, but I just need to get back to serving him. I'm, and my response is, oh, who did you just break up with? Most of the time. 95% um, of the time is what it is. Um, but it's, and then as soon as that relationship ends, it goes back to that first idea of now what can I do to serve God to get back on his good side? It was just super weird. Now, these Athenians had all of these different gods that Paul walked around, saw all these shrines. They had all these, these gods that they worshipped, gods that they served, gods that they did whatever for. And then Paul comes in and tells them all these things. Now, here's a really fun fact. Um, there's very little difference in how we interact with the world around us. They happen to have shrines. But what we do is we compartmentalize our lives so that what this part of my life is, is this is how I act, this is what I look like, this is what I do when I'm on the field or at the court or at the meet. 
This is who I am when, when I'm in class. This is how I act when I'm in class. This is how I am when I'm with this group of friends. This is how I am when I'm with my family. We have all these different gods that we serve. It is absolutely no different. My last point, my third point is this. Modern compartmentalization of our lives is still idolatry. When we compartmentalize our lives, it's still idolatry. If we do not allow God to actually move in us in a way that now our reflection of God, it it gets in us. It isn't just something that's just like, well, just brush it off because I left Chi Alpha or whatever, left church. But if I'm going to compartmentalize my life, I'm still worshiping idols. I'm no different from the Athenians 2,000 years ago because I have this God that I'm going to serve over here, which is how these friends look at me. I have this God over here, which is how my team or my coaches look at me. I have this God that I'm going to serve, which is how my family looks at me. You're doing all of these different things, trying to make all these different gods happy. It is no different than ancient Greece 2,000 years ago. This passage of scripture is talking about our culture. Because our culture says, do what you want, when you want, how you want, whenever you feel you want to do it. This is why we have people. This is why you hear about things oftentimes, especially, usually in the church. But you've got this pastor or this deacon or whatever who um, maybe is this great human being. But then all of a sudden he's like, wait a minute. You did this crazy business deal where you railroaded a bunch of people and now there's people homeless because you screwed them over because you had no moral or ethical code. Now that's that's an extreme thing, but let's look at something that's more practical even for us. If the people that you know, the people that you hang out with, the people that you hope to find and follow Jesus, if they know about what you do on Wednesday nights, that you come to Chi Alpha, or let's say you go to church on Sundays, they know you go to church on Sundays, or maybe you're that person that kneels really quickly before your game or your match or whatever else it is. Um, or my favorite, you have a cross on, um, which is how you really tell somebody uh, that you love Jesus. Um, that's a joke. And if you're wearing a cross, that is not a, not a diss. Keep wearing it. I don't care. I think it's great. Um, everybody's like, <sighs> <laughs> nope, not today. Let's hide that. I'm going to take those earrings out. Uh, yeah, get rid of that stuff. But when we compartmentalize our lives, people, people recognize that. We don't think that they do. We don't, which is why we do it. Well, we're, we're safe over here because I can do this and talk this way and act this way over here with my team. And I'm going to continue to do that because it serves that God. That little shrine over here, that, that's how I'm going to act. I'm going to do that. Yeah, they know I'm involved in, in campus ministries in some sort. They know that um, maybe I go to church. They know that I tell people I'm a Christian, but I certainly don't act like it, nor do I talk like it. But then when I'm with my family, I'm going to act like maybe, maybe your family goes to church all the time. And so you're like, I'm going to act like I go to church. I'm going to do these things. I see this all the time. Students that I get to hang out with that attend church. It's, it's funny to me. Like, not funny like I'm going to ha-ha laugh at them because I'm not going to do that. I still love them. But say you've got a friend that you've been talking to, trying to get them to come to church with you or trying to come to Kyle for whatever. It's not so much Kyle because 
we don't care. But mostly at church. You guys, you get somebody to go to church with you, and somebody who never, ever tucks their shirt in, all of a sudden, has on dress shoes, and nicer jeans that they've ironed, and their shirt's tucked in, and they've buttoned up all the way, you know, and they're coming into church, and their hair's done. It's like, dude, you haven't done your hair since the semester started. Why are you doing your hair now? It's like, well, I'm walking into this building. Why? Because it's a religion, and it's think, they think it's a God they have to serve rather than a relationship with somebody living. Which means we have done, if you claim to be Christian, which means we have done a poor job in representing what a relationship with Jesus looks like. My relationship with Jesus must, must come out of me when I'm over here with this group of people over here with this group of people and over here with this group of people. So that way my light, my ability to speak life when given the opportunity isn't damaged or taken away from because that's the same person that's like, why are you talking about Jesus? Usually you're talking about all sorts of other things that even I feel are inappropriate. <laughs> you know, or like they, they, they know your story. They know your history. They know those things, but when Jesus actually does something in you, you begin to walk into that space. You begin to walk into that space, and my absolute prayer is that when you walk into those spaces, you do the same thing you do at the beginning of every single Chi Alpha. Crap. Maybe it's crap. Crap. God is here. <laughs> we, we wanted to move from that to, man, God is here. God, will you give me an opportunity to speak life into somebody. You're about to go home for Thanksgiving and a few, well, for Thanksgiving. You're about to go home for half a year. Um, I shouldn't say that because one time you actually did. Um, that was a bummer. That year sucked. Um, yeah, too soon. Let's, let's move past that a little further before we go down that road again. I wonder if I said that that year. That would have been hilarious. You're going to go home for half a year. Like, well, we did. That's your fault. But what if you went home and instead of acting the way your family normally acts, with a me first attitude or whatever else, what? Here's something crazy. What if you went home and while you were home these next few months, you beat your mom or your dad or whoever normally does it and you did the dishes for somebody? And you served, you served your family with an attitude. I know everybody's like, do the dishes. I ain't doing that. Not for Thanksgiving. Are you outside your freaking mind? Well, this is, this, is, this is why we had the problem at the beginning. Could you guys think the sentence is over? Sentence is not over. It was a comma. No. Maybe your mom. Never mind. Uh. Hi, mom. All right. Um. Yeah, don't do that. What would it look like? What would it look like to honor and serve your teammates? What would it look like to honor and serve your family? What would it look like to honor and serve the people you live with in your dorm or your house or your apartment? How can you better reflect Jesus 
in honoring and serving those people because that's what Jesus has called you to do. If you profess that you are a Christian, if you say, yep, I serve God, then you are called, you are mandated to serve other people. It is not an option. It's not. If you refuse to do that, you now have compartmentalized all of the things in your life. So like, nope, nope, I'll serve Jesus at church, thank you. You no longer have a relationship. You have a religion. And your life is full of idols. It is modern idolatry. There is no difference. The only difference is that there isn't some marble god that says to the unknown god that you go and you burn incense to. Instead, when you're with that group of people, when those group of people, you're, you're serving them as though they were a god. Rather than serving the one true living God, the creator of heaven and earth. And saying, you know what, I, I have to change the way I speak. And I'm not even talking cursing or anything like that. I mean, in general. Like, I said this the other day in our, in our small group. I said, when you, when you leave the room... When you leave the room, how do people feel? When you walk out, are people like, oh, thank God. Or when you walk out, are they like, man, that was, that was a kind of nice conversation. When you leave, are they excited? Do they care whether or not they have another conversation with you or not? When Jesus left the room, people followed him. Not because of the things he did, it's because of how he made them feel. Yes, some people followed him for the things that he did. You feed 5,000 people with some loaves and a couple fish, I might walk around for a little bit to find out what's going to happen next. You feel like, this guy's kind of different. Let's see what happens. But without a relationship with that someone, it doesn't matter the amount of miracles they do, it will not matter. Without a relationship with that person, it's just religion and it's empty. And it will not lead you to anything good. It will not help you in life. It just becomes a discipline or some idea. Stand with me. We're going to pray. Um, my, my hope, my prayer, my desire is that when, whenever uh, I get done speaking, whoever is speaking on a Wednesday night, whenever we do that, sometimes we do have times of prayer. Um, often, most of the time, we don't. And here's why. Um, we're not doing it tonight, but here, here's why most of the time we don't necessarily have what would be considered an altar call or anything like that. Because if this is something that's going to move you, if there's something that you heard or that you, you, you heard that you felt that's going to move you, it's got to move you more than just in a room right now. It's got to. It's got to. You've got to, to be able to take that thought, that idea, and say, God, what's, what is it that you have for me? My prayer is that God messes your brain up. Some of you are like, I'm already there. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying, I pray that the next time you're with whatever group, because every, okay, here's the thing. Every single, everybody in here, there is that group of people that your attitude changes, the way you talk changes. 
that you just have it. Whether we want to or not, unfortunately. Because it's, it's natural. We know it's natural. Because the Greeks 2,000 years ago had 237 different gods that they worshipped. It's a natural thing for us to do this. That's why serving Jesus is not a natural thing. We don't want to necessarily do it. But when we do it, my goodness, the freedom and the joy that it is found. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for who you are. God, thank you that you love us enough to die for us, that you pursue us, that you come after us, wanting us to be in relationship with you. God, I pray for those in this room tonight that if they are experiencing a religion that is empty and they're just doing things to serve whatever, God, that your peace would come upon them, that your grace would flow through them, they would recognize where they are and that you would help them begin a new relationship with you. God, I pray for students that recognize the compartmentalization of their lives. God, I pray that we would get rid of the idols. We would get rid of our own personal idols that we have in ourselves or with others. And that all of our life, everything about us, from the, morning, from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to bed, represents you. God, I pray that we also recognize that we don't need to simply do things to serve you, but God, you have called us to serve others. God, I thank you for who you are. God, I pray that these students would go with grace and peace. God, you are a good and holy God. We thank you for this evening, and in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.